everyone. How we doing? Welcome back to the In the Round podcast. You got Matt and Tyler. What's up? Still up in Delaware. And we have with us over Skype. Wish we were in person because she's one of my favorite human beings in Nashville, Tennessee. Love her dearly. It's Miss Farron Rachels. Farron, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Doing well. We're doing well. We're hanging out in Delaware. And this is, I think, been this is probably the longest that I've had a, a guy from South Alabama stuck up north for a while yeah. i've been up here so in 2015 i lived up north for six months on internships yeah so between si- connecticut and south jersey so since then he's been up he's been up here and i'm and I'm, we're talking like like 70 degrees for us is hot and he's still saying like i wish it was warm i wish it was warm I'm like dude it's like 75 dude, it's like, no it's like 55 degrees and raining <laughs> like, for like, the past oh two God. weeks i'm the same way if yeah. it's not between 70 and 75 i'm complaining yeah. But it's awesome today in Nashville. Yeah, the been, weather is awesome. Yeah, yeah, I've been seeing pictures that people have been sending me and stuff that Nashville is looking really good. A lot of people yeah. out. and I'm about to be going to Houston, and it's going to be like 90 when I'm there next week. So I'm going Uh-oh. from cold to just like <laughs> full open oven. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing like the South when it gets warm. I've, I learned that early on um, with yep. the humidity. There's it's something about that humidity and stuff. So you're you're from down in Georgia, Sparta, Georgia, correct? Correct. Yep. It's um it's like two hours. It's like it's basically central Georgia. It's like an hour from Athens, an hour from Macon, a couple okay. hours from Atlanta. Yeah. But it's a really small town. Nobody's ever heard of it. But it is crazy. The humidity here is not near as bad as sparta like no. it's it's crazy what just it's like a six hour drive from here yeah and it's crazy that the weather's so different to me yeah so i'm originally from atlanta and even Atlanta's worse than nashville to me yeah and then i moved to south alabama and our town was literally built on top of a swamp like 50 <laughs> know, miles right? inland so like our mosquitoes are the size of quarters which i imagine that's you how they can... are in sparta too though it's yeah. crazy yeah, no, so Sparta, Georgia, that's the fact that you're close to a lot of different markets in Georgia. I'm sure that helped you early on with going out and gigging and playing shows. And I know you're a big Bulldogs fan. I have watched a, I, I, I can say that I've watched the Georgia Bulldogs game with you because remember that night we were in Memphis? Yes. And the oh, Bulldogs. Yeah. They were playing yep. Tennessee, I think. Yeah. And Tennessee yeah. gave him a little bit of a fight early on, and Farron was freaking oh, out yeah. watching the Bulldogs. Well- <laughs> Well, I do. I, I I have a problem, and like it, we've been since we've been touring so much over the last couple of years, I haven't been near as good of a fan as I used to be because I just we're driving down the road half the time during the games or playing shows. So like I don't know the players like I used to and stuff. But I went to UGA, okay. so you know I kind of have to pull for them. But it's like since I moved to Nashville. I hate Tennessee. Sorry to any Tennessee fans listening, but I, it's I like I'm just it's yeah. surrounded, you know. I'm yeah. an Alabama fan, and I feel the exact same. See, way. See, I think the two teams that Ugh. are the most hated in the SEC are Tennessee and Alabama. I think Tennessee because they used to be really good, and the fans just talk a lot They're of smack. A bunch of snitches. <laughs> yeah, Tennessee <laughs> just talks a lot, and then Alabama they've just been on that hot streak for now. 10, 15 years and stuff. But my one of my favorite SEC towns to go to, one of my favorite college towns, is Athens, Georgia. What was it like going to Oh, my to God, Athens. Oh, yeah. What's, how would you descri- yeah. How would you describe Athens, Georgia to somebody who hasn't had the pleasure of checking out the Georgia Theater, checking out the million and one bars that are in Athens, Georgia? Well, that's like that's where I really started playing a lot was in college. I mean, there's like it's a good music scene there, too. Um and it's, I mean, the obviously the university is huge, but it's awesome that Athens doesn't feel like the city doesn't feel like that, you know. 
um, which I mean, I graduated high school with 12 people. So when I went to UGA, like my biology class was like 600 people and like really overwhelming. So it already felt big, but I think I wouldn't have survived anywhere other than Athens. Like, you know what I mean? Like it still feels like a small town, even though the university, the campus is huge, but that's pretty much all of Athens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the downtown scene is so great. Like, I mean, obviously the Georgia theater and like 40 watt and, uh, me and Ray used to play a place called, uh, JR's bait shack. I don't even know if it's there anymore. (laughs) It's above the strip club. I think toppers is still there. (laughs) But, um, like, you know, it's, like, a great little place, especially, like, getting your feet wet, like, playing live music. Because I've always said, like, if you can keep a college crowd into it and entertained, then you can play anywhere. You know? Yeah, exactly. absolutely. And there's so much history within Athens with country music and so many artists like yourself. You just mentioned Ray, Ray Fulcher. A lot of mm-hmm. there's a there's a big crowd. I mean, everybody talks about the the artists that come out of Georgia and there's a real yeah. pipeline there. So for you coming up, you came up with guys like Ray. Who else was playing that scene with you? Uh like Langston, John Langston. I played a lot of shows with him. Um Travis Denning, like Jordan Rager, all those Georgia guys. Yeah, uh, Cole Taylor. Yeah. Was doing the artist thing back then. We played a lot of shows together. Yeah. yeah. And they're all big Bulldog fans too. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just crazy to, to rewind to think about all you guys playing the college circuit and now fast forward and to see everybody out there crushing it. You've got a ton of great music out. You've got some new music Thank that's you. new music that's dropped that we're excited to talk about. And Thank you. It's, it's just super, super cool to see kind of just how it's all kind of exploded. And you guys, so when did you move to Nashville? When did you make the jump from Georgia to Nashville? I moved to Nashville in 2011. Wow. So Nashville wasn't, yes. So Nashville wasn't quite what it is now. So you kind of got in right before the boom started. I did. Um, I lived in Atlanta for just a little bit uh, when I graduated college because I got a normal like office job. I was working for an insurance company and um, Atlanta was just too much for me. Like it was, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I like to go there and play there now, but I'm just from such a small town that like Athens was big for me. So yeah. when I went to Athens, I, I mean, Atlanta, I was miserable. And um, also, I, that's not really fair because Atlanta is a great town and I have some good friends from there. But it was also that I hated uh, having an office job and like not being in Nashville. So then I when I moved to Nashville, yeah, it was so different from now that it felt like more like in Athens. You know, it was like especially the music business itself, it just feels so small, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like easy to meet people and yeah. What part of Atlanta were you living in? I lived in Duluth for a little bit and then I lived over, um, uh, I guess it would technically be like Vining's area. Okay, cool. Like close to Marietta. Yeah, yeah. So I'm originally from like Riverdale, Jonesboro area. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and I've only been to Atlanta, I think, twice now maybe three four times three or four times um where i've been to atlanta and i was just blown away that there's big cities in the south like that I mean, me being from new york like i'm used to being around a ton of people and, and being right. in in a city where there's millions of people and then going down and seeing a metropolis like atlanta where, where you're in georgia where it's mostly small town usa and then you roll up yeah. on atlanta and it's like where am i it's crazy i know I know it's crazy. And the traffic, I just, I don't know. I could never get used to it. I mean, I like to go visit. I still have a couple of friends that live there and it's nice to go like for a weekend, but 
Atlanta I just don't think I can deal I, with that traffic. Yeah, Atlanta traffic, I think, like, rivals, like, L.A. Like, any time that... It, yeah. Whenever I was, like, traveling a lot through Atlanta with another band before uh, Muscadine and all of them, like, I would always say if we got to go through Atlanta, because we went to Florida, like, every other week, it's, like, add three hours to our trip, because that's how long yep. it takes to get through Atlanta. Yeah, what yep. what was working an office job like? Because I can't envision you doing other anything else besides music. Like I only like what like what was Farron Rachel's the office the, the insurance uh, office worker like? It was not well. Honestly, I loved my coworkers, and I um I would like to say that I fit in a little better than you would think I would. But um I, I mean I was just basically like I answered the phone and listened to people bitch at me about things that I could do nothing about, and then had to transfer them to you know, and then like checks i was like three people's assistants like checked their email and responded to people that they didn't want to and stuff like that so it wasn't like i was doing anything serious with insurance it was mostly just i was the messenger um but yeah i had to wear the whole like heels every day and <laughs> actually shower unlike right now so <laughs> yeah see i think you made the right call with going into music i really do oh, like man. when when did that switch like, when did it occur to you that you wanted to pursue music for a living? Like, that was, like, what you wanted to do? Well, it's always what I, I mean. Ever since I was a little girl, I've been, it's kind of sad how obsessed I've been. Like, my, my mom and my brother, I used to drive them crazy. My grandparents would record, like, the CMAs and the ACMs on VHS tapes for me. And I would watch them, like, year-round. And, like, I would only watch CMT. And I had a karaoke machine. And I would, like, pretend to be Faith Hill. <laughs> like, instead of going to play with my friends, it was really weird. And, like, the more I think about it, I'm like, that is so strange. But, um, anyway, I've always wanted to do it. And I sang, like, in church and at weddings. I was the go-to, like, wedding and funeral singer in Georgia, you know. Um, and then, I don't know. I mean, I wanted, I applied, or I was going to apply to Belmont because I wanted to, you know, move here right out of high school. But my mom is a single mom, and she was like, absolutely not, like, you know, you have to go somewhere where you can get a scholarship. And in Georgia, we have the Hope Scholarship. So if you had, you know, good grades, they would pay for your tuition. So, and she just really wanted me to go to college. To be honest, I really wanted to just say fuck it and move up here. But yeah. um, she was, it was like her dream for me. So I was like, okay. And I, now I'm really glad I did because I grew up a little bit and also like learned so much about like playing the bar scene and stuff, um, you know. But then, right out of college, I was like, well, I don't have a job. Like, I don't know how to get there. And I just took the first job I could find. And then, I don't know, I just got to a point where I was pretty miserable. And I was like, what am I doing with my life? Like, I know what I want to do and what I've always wanted to do. And I got to quit wasting time, you know. So, packed up everything and moved up here. And I nannied. I actually got a nannying job through, like, a website um, I came up and interviewed with the family and then as soon as they told me I had the job, I moved up. So Hell yeah. I gotta ask too, how's the goat doing? Is the goat still at your mom's place? There's more than one goat now. There's more than one goat, so the goat the goats are multiplied. So I don't know if you heard about this, Tyler. I don't think I have. <laughs> so so there was there's some goats in Sparta, Georgia, and Farron's mom has like adopted them. And there was one goat. Now there's two goats. Tell us okay, about these there's goats. Okay, there's actually yeah. three. There's so, three. Oh boy. Well, so <laughs> my it. mom is like the sweetest, most perfect. Like, would give anyone the shirt off her back and like take care of anything that is neglected. Like that's just who she is. We are completely opposite. <laughs> <laughs> 
And like, she just, I don't know. She just can't stand it. And, um, a friend of hers has like, has a farm or goat farm or whatever. And apparently when goats have babies, they'll like pick the strongest ones that they're going to like feed and take care of. And they'll let like a couple of them die. And so my mom was at the farm right after some were born and she could not stand the thought of, you know, those baby goats not being their mom, not feeding them and stuff. So she took it home. And now she's, I think she's taken three home. And basically what she's doing is bodily, bottle feeding them. And they sleep in a little box beside her bed. I've seen, she sent me pictures of her uh, grooming it, like washing it in the kitchen sink and then drying its hair with a hairdryer. And basically once it's like old enough that she feels like she can take it back to the farm, then like, I think she's already taken one back to its family. That's awesome. (laughs) I love It's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, I love I love that. And I remember you saying, Mom, we'll just get you a dog. We'll just get you. Right. <laughs> it was just so random. She sent me a picture and was like, look at my new baby or something. And it was her bottle feeding a goat. And I was like, Mom, we can get you a cat or a dog. Like, this is super weird. My, uh, my pastor back in Alabama, his son was like the guy that like goes out of his way to figure out how to do the least amount of work. So he came home with like six or eight like goats. Like me. Yeah, he like came home with like six or eight goats one day because his dad was making them cut the lawn like every week. And he was like, Dad, they I got... They will eat anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I got the automatic yard cutters. Here we go. And put them in the backyard. And he was like, now all I got to do is cut the front yard, which is a lot less than the back. So That's so funny. Well, our neighbors have goats or used to have goats. I don't know if they still do. but um, And we have a fence, like just a normal like wire fence that separates our yard from theirs and they would get my brother had a basketball goal out there and they would get their heads stuck in the fence like every day and so like me and my brother would have to go wrestle the goats out of the fence so goats have always been a thing i guess in our family but these are the first ones that mom's ever brought in the house and put in the kitchen sink so hell yeah no i i love it yeah no that's great how have you been doing during all this quarantine stuff how what have you been up to how have you been keeping busy Oh, that's well. I'm drinking White Claw right now. There you go. Ain't no, I, ain't no laws. There you go. There you go. Uh, me and my friend keep saying it's the '70s. Like we feel like quarantine is like you can do whatever you want whenever you want because there's no rules. Like you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been writing some like on Zoom and you know like this like FaceTime or whatever, and um, just like getting ready. We were getting ready to put the new single out and stuff, but. Other than that, I'm just trying not to gain a hundred pounds and get super depressed. Yeah, <laughs> it's no, like, I feel that it's just such yeah. a weird energy. Like it's a weird time. Yeah, especially the time of year that it is. Like I think if it was like around that winter time, it would be a little bit different because that's the time that everybody's kind of like cooped up and off the road. You want to be inside anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But now the weather's getting good, and it's the time when Nashville's at its busiest when everybody's out on the road when it's like festival season and everybody's going, going everywhere. And it's weird to be weird to be cooped up. And I feel you with the not wanting to gain a hundred pounds. I've been, we've been up, we've been up here in Delaware now going on seven or eight weeks. It's going on like seven weeks, which is a long time to be up here. And my mom, I love her. She's a very good cook in New York. Lots, lots of pasta, lots of pasta. And Lots of Italian cooking, and I've just been been eating this pasta and getting getting home cooked meals again, which has been and nice. And then you have me that's like re like re falling in love with cooking, also cooking for everybody. So I've been like grilling like two or three times a week. Like we had burgers the other yeah. day, and they were like they were like this big. It was like yeah. bigger than a water burger burger. 
Uh, well, it's like, what is there to do? Exactly. What else is there to do other than cook and eat? And you know, I mean, I've been fishing you just a lot. sit at home all day. That's the thing. When you're busy, it's like you're not. Especially like when we're on the road, it's like, okay, oh, do we have time for lunch, kind of thing? Yeah. You know? yeah. But now, now it's like, oh, I guess I'm hungry again. Not really. I'm probably just bored. But I'm gonna make another sandwich. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, Super no. Weird. Yeah, no, for sure. It's definitely interesting times, but I can't wait till we're all back out on the road and we're Same. doing it. I and, miss it so much. Yeah, and I can't wait till we're out on the road with you. Some of my favorite times have been hanging out, hanging out with you and and being in being in these different places and really experiencing road life. Some of my first runs because I had never done any kind of touring. Tyler's done a bunch of it before uh, before being out with Gary and Charlie like we are now. But like some of my first runs were out where where you were out in the road with us and getting to That's learn. Right. Right. Getting to learn um, learn what road life is like and stuff. And you've got a cool crew that you take out on the road with you when you're rolling full band and stuff. Talk about mm-hmm. the boys that you bring out with you. you got a bunch of kids out there with you. Oh, my gosh. Well, you, I used to say there was like I'm the mom, which is terrifying. But, like, <laughs> they were, I mean, it is. Uh, but the so Rocky Block and Grady Block are, um, well, used to. Like, Rocky was my band leader. He played bass. And Grady played drums. They're brothers. And, um those are like my main two guys and we have been on the road a lot together and just become like, I mean, they're literally like my brothers, like my little brothers, but Rocky started playing for me right out of high school when he was like 18. Wow. Um, I think I was his first gig. So, and he's, you know, toured with me pretty consistently. And then Grady was like a real baby. Then I think he was like 16. And I remember Rocky telling me like, you know, my brother's not ready yet, but like, when he gets ready, like I have, he's a great drummer. He's just like got some stuff to learn or whatever. And I was just like, okay, cool. Like, sure. You just want your brother out on the road, whatever. And then the first time he played with us, I was like, Oh God, he's like one of the best drummers that I've ever had, you know? So, um, those guys are like my brothers. And then obviously Weston that Gary and Charlie stole from me was my, (laughs) I heard about that. Was my, uh, great. He's so great. He's so great. I love that he's like come out of his shell though. Cause I, I don't know what it is, but I always get the babies. Cause he was like, I'm pretty sure I'm the one that convinced him to drop out of school. Like he was, you know, a freshman in college and yeah. took my gig and was touring with us pretty consistently. And on the road all the time, we'd be like, quit school. Weston. Cause he'd be like trying to take a final in the van, like, you know, or he'd be like, go sit in the hotel room for 30 minutes to get on a, you know, like a meeting with his classmates and stuff. And I'm like, we got sound check in 30 minutes. Like, you know, <laughs> um, but it's been cool. Cause those guys have like, we kind of grew up. I mean, I, they started playing for me when I really started touring, like playing festivals and like bigger shows and stuff. And so even though they're a lot younger than me, we were all kind of learning together. Cause before that, all I had done was like the bar scene. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I know one, one festival or one, one show that I remember hearing about, Oh, I remember hearing you and Weston tell stories about the the BG cruise, the Brantley Gilbert cruise. What was oh, yeah, that, <laughs> what was that like with all those bo- with all those boys on there, all those kids being with you? And then I know you had some other friends that were that were on that cruise as well, playing. And what was that experience like yeah. playing a show, going out on a boat? And that was what? That's a week or a couple days, or how does that it all work? It was. I think it was a total of four days. I think it was it was a short one, and I've like joked about it. I'm like, thank God, because if it would have been seven days, so we went to Nassau, we went to the Bahamas, and I did not get off the ship. Like I was so hungover that day that we actually were docked and could get off the boat that I could not leave my room. 
that's <laughs> if that tells you anything about the cruise. It was just, I mean, it was Brantley Gilbert fans, you know, like they yeah. loved to party. And it was just, I mean, a cruise is a vacation and a party anyway. And um, it gets me in trouble sometimes because I love to drink and like hang and party with people. And so when I was meeting like new fans and stuff, they're like, let's take a shot. And I never rarely turn those down. So it was just like, I don't remember a whole lot about it, <laughs> to be completely <laughs> honest. That. But it was so much fun. It was it was really cool, too, to like spend a few days with the same people. Because like, you know, the first show we played, nobody knew who I was. And then um, by the end of it, like the last show we played, there were like a lot of people there that and some of those people had been there since the beginning of it, you know. So it was cool to like actually get to know fans. You never get to play. I mean, every now and then, you know, some venues you'll play two nights in a row. But other than that, you know, it's play and then see you in six months or whatever. So it was cool to actually get to know those people and stuff. It was fun. And Brantley is like the best dude ever. Yeah, he's, like, yeah, he's a cool dude. Yeah, I've had the I had the opportunity to meet him a couple times when I was doing when I was working country radio up in Jersey and. He's a, he's a real like down to earth guy, and you wouldn't guess that with like the whole biker thing and image. like the tattoos yeah. and the the brass knuckles on the microphone and this and that. But right, real down to earth. I still dude. believe he will kick someone's ass for oh, sure. Oh, one hundred percent, yeah. But he was so sweet to me. Like, um, he all the artists that played it. He had like a dinner on the last night of it that he like was just for us or whatever. And, um, he came over and like, and he didn't have to do that. You know, he came over and talked to me and thanked me for playing it. And I'm like, uh, no, thank you for letting me do this. And I was actually had a show that night. It was my last show. And he was like, I'm going to come, I'm going to come, you know, here. And I was like, okay, but I was playing in like the lounges and stuff where there's no like VIP area and all. And so I was thinking he's not going to, you know, that was nice of him to say, but he's not going to come. Yeah. And sure enough, he stood side stage and watched my whole set. And then when we got back from the cruise, um, I remember I was in a write like a couple weeks later. And he, I got a text and it said, hey, Farron, this is Brantley. I got your number from, well, his manager I got to know pretty well on the cruise. And he was like, I just want to tell you again how great you were. And I really love what you're doing. And, and I was just like, what a, like, he does not have to take time to do that. You know, like. It like made my life for him to say that he loved what we were doing. So it was yeah. awesome. That's, That's awesome. Really good. That's awesome. And again, that Georgia connection, he's a guy that came up playing the Georgia theater and another Georgia boy who played that same circuit that you and that you were playing with all your buddies, you know? Well, I was in college, like my freshman year, I bet I went to five or six of Brantley shows, you know, but then he was, you know, obviously not the Brantley Gilbert he is now, but it is crazy. I mean, talking about Athens though, it is nuts. I saw... Eric Church at Georgia Theater. I saw Dirk Spentley, Lady Annabellum, Miranda Lambert, Little Big Town. Like, you know, like all the back then, I mean, that they were playing the venues that we play now. You know, it was just yeah, crazy. It's really cool at Georgia Theater to go backstage and see like all the signed bricks of like who's played there and all. Yeah. Yeah. We got to, uh, we opened a show for Dwight Oakham there. And that's the only time I've got to play there. But it was one of the coolest. That was that's just like a bucket list venue for me. Yeah, it's an awesome venue, and all the crew and everybody there is great. They treat you so well. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Another uh, another, I guess you could say it was a festival day. It was actually my first weekend out with Muscadine, and the first time I got to see you 
um, oh, was the Patriots was Fest with Virginia Beach? Yeah. Holy cow! Yeah, what was, was that? Like, that that was that, that was, was before insane. that was before my time. I, I started like another two months later, but I remember getting Snapchats from Tyler that day, and he he didn't really know what to expect. He had just gotten gotten the gig through through knowing knowing somebody and getting to know Gary and Charlie, and he sent me these Snapchats like, bro, what the fuck have you gotten yourself into? What was that the like? The whole day, like the, I didn't know either. The it day was crazy, right? Yeah, the day before, and like the whole weekend, Charlie was like talking to me because like this was literally the first time muscadine brought me out and they didn't know if i was good or anything like this was my trial what a first yeah they threw yeah. you in the fire yeah they threw me straight into the fire and the whole day they were like yeah man like if the house guy wants to run it you know like if he just wants to do it like you know we can find something for you to do if you don't feel comfortable and like here i am like like i've been doing sound now for a little while just not on that level like i've done yeah you know, they were how many people do you remember? I think it was like it was like fifty nine thousand six hundred. They were expecting twenty. Yeah, they and were I think it was 20. like close to sixty thousand people yeah. showed up. I know that at the end of the night there were, um, well, not even the end, like before Luke, because it was me, Muscadine, and Luke Holmes. Yeah, and and before Luke played, I think they were already had like fire the fire marshals and everything, like because it was. I mean, it's on the beach. And, right. like, trying to keep people out and stuff. I mean, as when we sound checked, because I know the day was, like, as, us, as usual for festivals, it's, like, running a little behind. And since we were the first of three, by the time we sound checked, it was, like, time to open the gates. During our sound check, I bet we have 50 people, like, watching yeah. our sound, like, right at the stage watching our sound check, you know. And then by the time we played, I could not see, like, as far as I could see, it was just people. It was just, that was yeah. the most people we've played um, for, yeah. They were... Like I was, I listened to a few of Muscadine songs. Like I knew their repertoire. Like I kind of knew what to expect. But like I really didn't know, like their songs by heart by yeah. then. But I remember, like at one point, we had an hour set, and it was probably like forty five minutes in. It was somewhere around Port Swing Angel. Like I just kind of looked back, and I couldn't see the end of people from front of house, and I was just like, what "The hell!" Like it was the weird. Yeah, it was crazy. I think the crazy thing is I knew we took that one and it was a one off for us. And I never take one offs that are like that far away because it yeah. was such a long drive. But when I saw the like when I saw the offer and it was like, you know, estimated 20,000 people and it was with Luke and Musk and I, and I was like, well, you know, we need to do this one. But then when we got there, I was like, holy shit. I cannot imagine if I would have like not taken that show and like missed out on that because that was such a cool day. Yeah, and for you, you talk about Muscadine and Luke. You guys have all kind of like come up together and like you've known those boys for a long time. How'd you get to know like those camp like those camps and like how did you all kind of meet initially? Was it you all moved to Nashville at the same time or did you guys just kind of come up as friends or how'd that all get started? It was, I think we all moved around the same time. I think I've been here. I know I've been here a couple years longer than Luke, but I'm not sure about Muscadine. Y'all know when they moved up? I know that. Um, I think it was like 2014, so probably a little yeah. bit later. Yeah. yeah. So it was probably a couple years after. But see, the thing is, when I first moved here, I was working all the time. And so, like, I didn't meet. The first couple years I was here, I was, like, working 40 hours a week and then just trying to go to Whiskey Jam or trying to write with random people that would write on the, like at night or on the weekends and stuff. So I didn't really, I used to joke and say like the first couple of years, I almost feel like it didn't count. Cause I definitely wasn't like all in. So like meeting a lot of people. So it's hard for me to remember who moved here when I moved here versus, you know, just like a few years later, but I met Luke and the Muscadine guys through Ray Fulcher. 
um, Ray, <laughs> Ray loves to tell the story. I'm not going to tell it because it makes me sound so mean, but we, he went to UGA too. And we're like, um, it's, he's a couple years older than me. So we never knew each other. I don't know how, cause we talk about it all the time. He's actually from close to where I'm from. And we both went to Georgia, but never ran, like never knew each other in school, which is so weird. But the week he moved to Nashville, um, I met him at a bar and we were at a round or something. And he loves to tell a story because he said I big leagued him. He said he tried to introduce himself to me and asked to write and I was a bitch, which is not surprising. But um, anyway, we we did write not long after that and became really good friends. He's one of my best friends. And he used to go back to Georgia and put on like songwriter nights and stuff all the time. Uh, so, yeah, I met them at one of those. I think it was me, Muscadine, Murphy Elmore, Pat Cooper and Ray. And Luke came that night. There's like a video that has gone viral of a, of them backstage. I'm like not in the camera, but um, I think where Luke is singing Night Moves by Bob Seger or something. Yeah, I've seen, yeah, I've, yeah, yeah I've seen so that video. So that's the yeah. night that I, I, already, I already knew Luke before that, but that was the night that all of us like first hung out. And then, I mean, I've written with, you know, I wrote with them back in the day. Me and Muscadine used to write a good bit, but um Anyway, so yeah, and then like just playing shows, and then I was at River House. I've, I've been gone for a little while now, but my management was the same as Luke's for a while, and I went on tour with him, so got to know him and his crew really well. So nice. that's awesome. That's and it's yeah. and it, and watching from from afar. Like I remember being on being on the radio side and kind of watching all this stuff happen because we had Luke on. I had a college radio show, and that was back when I used to drink and get my get my real party in on and we had Luke on our college radio shows back in like 2015 or 2016 and just kind of seeing the explosion between like seeing seeing your name pop up in there seeing Muscadine seeing Ray seeing Drew Parker seeing like that that whole crew kind of come up it, it was just it was really cool to like watch from afar and I wish I could have been down in Nashville to kind of watch that explosion then Whiskey Jam you mentioned Whiskey Jam I've seen you I think that was the first time I ever saw you play was at Whiskey Jam, and I remember being, I remember being like, "Oh shit, that's Farron Rachel's," and like seeing, "Oh, uh -huh. that's Laney Wilson," "Oh, that's Meg Patrick," and I think it was one of the had to be one of the raised rowdy nights, or it was one of the nights where it was just a stacked lineup, where it was all you girls playing, and it was yeah. really cool to see. You've got you you associate with some really cool people. You've got some uh, some damn cool friends, like all you guys together, you. and and getting to hang out with y'all has been been awesome, especially those nights Dang. that end up at Red Door or Cookout at three in the morning. You know. Yeah, that happened. Used to happen a lot before quarantine. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of concerned about when it goes back to normal and we're all able. Like, can you imagine the night that Red Door opens? Yeah, it's gonna be insane. Division, it's gonna be crazy. Like people are talking about Broadway is gonna be nuts, but I don't think Broadway is gonna be nuts because I don't think a lot of the tourists are gonna be coming down right away. I think it's gonna be a lot of us locals, locals that have all moved moved to Nashville, like all the industry people hanging out in Midtown, and uh, I think so too. Yeah. And I think it's going to be insane. I'm concerned for my liver. <laughs> you got to, uh, you know, I saw something the other day, and I was like, basically, you got to keep drinking because nobody needs lightweights back at the bar when we. I open know. All this I thought it was up. like PSA from bartenders and yeah. stuff. It was like, please keep your tolerance up. Don't come. Don't show up at the bar and uh, through all quarantine, like. Yeah, that's so funny. Well, yeah. I'm doing my job then. I'm doing what they requested. <laughs> yeah. How? Yeah. So how'd you get? How'd you get tied in with like the whiskey jam crowd and uh, Ward and all those guys? Uh, well, I, so when I first moved to town, I nannied for a family, um, the one that I got the job like right before I moved up, and then I 
the mother was crazy. And I realized that after I started working for them, um, I hope she hears this. I'm just kidding. But she, <laughs> she was a crazy bitch. And she, um, like literally one month in, I was like, this is not going to work. Like she just, it's, it's, I could tell you stories for days, but anyway, so I was trying to get out of that job and find another one. And, um, I was going to whiskey jam every Monday night. I mean, I saw Chris Stapleton play, um, like, I think the first night we went, Channing Wilson was playing and maybe like David Nail. I don't know. Like we, Carly Pierce was like one of the first ones I went to like, it, and, and it was used, it used to be like 50 people at winners. Like, yeah. no, it was only like industry people that knew about it, you know? So anyway, I was just going because I'm, you know, trying to meet people and like loved a lot of their lineups back then were just stacked with always like solid songwriters. And I got drunk one night with, at the time, Ward and Josh Hogue were running it. Uh, they started it together. Josh Hogue's, like, written a bunch of Chris Young and Kane Brown yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. He's a songwriter here in town. But anyway, he um, he needed a nanny, and we were hammered uh, behind winners. And he said something about needing a nanny. And I was like, I'm a nanny, and I hate the family I work for. So do you, you want, you know? And so I, it's so funny because I was like, how did I make that happen? Because we were hammered. Like, if I... If I would have been him, I would like, no crazy girl that I just met at Whiskey Jam who just took six shots of Fireball. You cannot take care of my child. But uh, if you know Josh Hogue, it would not surprise you that it worked out because the next day I interviewed with his uh, baby mama and I got the job. So I worked for them for a little while and just got like close with Josh and Ward through that. And um, they let me play it the first time. I was terrible. I'm so glad there's not. Like I just started writing songs and the, the songs I played were awful. So I don't know why they let me, but anyway, they've always like Ward has just been, they've done some, like they'll go to Chicago and play and they go back to Georgia and like do now they like tour as whiskey jam. And he's let me do some of those. And when they have like the big outdoor shows and stuff, he'll still call me. They're just, they've been like super sweet and supportive. Yeah, no. And, then, yeah. and that's, that's something that I, I noticed early on from moving to Nashville. Cause again, when you're an outsider, like the whiskey jam brand now is, is huge. And it was, I've only been in town for coming up on two years, but one of my first time, one of my, like one of my first nights in town, I remember my buddies telling me, you got to come to whiskey jam. Like we got to go like introduce you to some people. You got to check it out and just seeing what whiskey jam is like and how big of a, big of a thing it is. It's so weird how it's changed. It's just like Nashville. Though. Everything's changed. It's like, and I still love to go and I go like hear my friends and I'll pop in like if I'm already in Midtown just to even if I don't know anybody on the lineup. But it started getting like I think TMZ did a feature on them at one point and then um, like Southern Living did a article about them and then shit just like took off like it wow. blew up, you know. And so um, it's funny because that it was not it did not used to be like it is now like you used to could find a place to sit. You know, now, like, you have to worry about if you look at the lineup and recognize, like, a couple big names, then you have to get there two hours early to even get in, you know? Yeah, and one of those so. one, one of those lineups that pops up when Ray's Rowdy comes in and does their takeover. I know they your do it great. I yeah. know your buddies with, with Nikki T and Sarah mm -hmm. and Heather and that, that whole crew, Derek. How'd you get to know <laughs> these crazy Yinzers from Pittsburgh? How'd you get to meet Nikki T and all those guys? I met Nick when I was on tour with Luke in Pennsylvania in like late 2017. And I think I was there. Oh, he, he told me I was their first interview. I was there. He had just started Razor Audi and he um, obviously came to see Luke 
and came up to me at the meet and greet afterwards and was like, I'm starting a thing. And I like, love what you, you love your music. I'd love to let you be our first artist or whatever. And so I, I pick at him now. I'm like, you're stuck with me. I was the first <laughs> artist. So you have to, you have to keep having me back, you know? Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, because those guys have I've become good friends with those guys and nights out with Nikki T and that crew get wild as well. They are yes. they are a party bunch and it's crazy what they've what they've been able to do with not fully even being in Nashville. I know they've kind of like colonized it in a way where there's a few of them down there, but Nikki's still in Pittsburgh, Sarah's still up in up in New England, and to see what what they're doing and and the support that they've given as well is insane. Like just how yeah. much they've grown, you know? Yeah, I love it. I love watching stuff like that. I mean, I to be completely honest, I'm not. If it weren't for music, I would not be very active on social media, probably, because I'm just not, I don't know, it's just not my thing. But the good thing about social media and the world we live in now is like Razor Audi and y'all and like, you know, otherwise you wouldn't be able to do stuff like this. And people, it's just so easy to find out about, you know, new music now, especially independent, like unsigned artists. So like Whiskey Riff, like y'all, Razor Audi, like all those sites and um I don't know the way y'all support independent artists. It just makes me really happy. <laughs> yeah, we want we. Yeah, I mean, with with the way that the the industry is and everything. I mean, like you don't necessarily need the radio play anymore. Like, there's so many ways, and to see what artists like yourself are doing with like with Spotify and like the fact you, once you get songs out there, the reach of songs now with streaming, it's incredible. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Um, I mean, it definitely. Sometimes I think I should have been like born 20 years before I was cuz like I love 90s country yeah. so much. Yeah, your style yeah, your yeah, your style, not to cut you off real quick. Your style yeah, yeah. is very much like like one of a kind in today's in today's genre oh, in today's you. where where country is like where like there's there's kind of been like this 90s revival both on the guys side and of course on the girls side with with girls like yourself, Lainey, Hannah Dasher who just mm-hmm. come out and are just badass and Oh, sing it, singing damn country songs. And so for you growing up, who were some like big artists that you, I know you said Faith Hill. I'm sure Reba's in there. Um, they, all those, I mean, it was back when women were like ruling country music, like Trisha Yearwood. She's from Georgia and grew up like an hour from me. So she was always like my, I remember we played um, high school in high school. I played basketball against the school that she went to and her picture was hanging in the lobby. And I just remember that moment being like, oh shit, like, like that's my hero. And she like stood in this gym, like, you know, it was like, oh my God, if that small town girl can do it, maybe I can too. So she was definitely like my biggest influence probably, but Martina, Sarah Evans, the Dixie Chicks, like all the, you know, Leanne Womack, Faith Hill, all that stuff. I had all those records on my karaoke machine and wore them out. (laughs) I love, But I also, my dad, my dad also like, listen to a lot of like um he did he loved Stevie Ray Vaughan and BB King and the Allman Brothers and Leonard Skinner and so like I got a good like southern rock education too but for some reason like country music and especially like traditional country music has just done something to my soul ever since I was a little girl so yeah, and and the night I mean the '90s country thing, like I said, it's it really is like I would say it's really comeback. Like seeing who's who's charting right now and seeing who's like like 
who people are really digging. Like, and, and even on the guys' side with, with guys like Riley, you can say how, how Muscadine's kind of got that traditional feel, how Luke brings that traditional feel. Like, it's, it's got to be cool to see the 90s style of country, like, coming back. For sure. It feels good. It feels good. I just love, I think, I mean, I love a little bit of it all, to be honest. Like, I, I listen to country radio, and, um, well, not as much as I used to, because I'm just, like, not in on the road a lot and in the car. But, like, when I'm listening to country radio now, like, I like it all, honestly, from I love Sam Hunt's new record. Yeah. And I love yeah. like but then I love Kip Moore and I love John Party and I love Luke and like Muscat you know, like I I like it all, but my heart, like, I don't know, it just does something inside of me when it's like super traditional country. Like that's just what I don't know. It's just what I love the most. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so we we always like to talk about food on here. I know we were talking about um we were talking oh, about Lord. um Try not to gain a hundred pounds and stuff during quarantine, which has has been a challenge for me and Boudreaux here. You're still you're looking you're looking good. You don't look like you don't look like you've gained any weight. You're looking great well, over over Skype right now. Um, for you, Mexican or hot chicken? What's your like Nashville staple? What do you like? Um, Mexican. Mexican? Do you? I, I, I mean, I love hot chicken too, but I've like I could eat Mexican every day and never get tired of it. Same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, my uh, my Mexican restaurant back home used to be like if I was like at the end of the week and like something happened and I didn't have like necessarily like, the money at the time they'd be like oh we know you're coming back tomorrow we'll put it on the tab <laughs> like, yeah well and- when we first moved to town um, Cinco de Mayo and like Las Palmas and stuff like I lived off that yeah like cheap Mexican I mean I love authentic like you know but the cheap Mexican you can't beat especially no, like not at all. On Tuesdays, when the pitchers of margaritas are half off, makes it even better. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, those margaritas can be dangerous for sure. I've seen yep. Bujo getting wild on some margaritas before. <laughs> I, I don't do tequila anymore because of margaritas. I know. Margaritas in Mexico. Say, like, I, love, I love tequila, but tequila does not love me. Yeah. Yeah. Tequila ignites yeah. a party animal that I didn't know existed in me. Same. So Same. I, I stay away from that. Yeah. yeah, I think it's the only thing that makes me mean. I think everybody is different, but like I can drink whiskey all night long and be just happy and you know, nothing pisses me off. But I'll have like two shots of tequila and I'm ready to fight. Anyone. <laughs> for any reason. Mine's not like and I'm ready. To, mine's not like I'm ready to fight, but mine is like I just it flips a switch where there is no boundaries anymore. And like right. the last time I was in, last time I really drank tequila, I was in Mexico, standing on a table screaming rap songs at the top of my lungs, and getting carried back to a cruise boat. So, there we don't go there anymore. There you go. I think yeah, that might actually make a lot of sense now that I think about it, because I had a lot of tequila on the Brantley cruise, so that might be why I was, why it was uh, such an interesting trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's that's awesome. What's your uh, what's your favorite Mexican place in Nashville? Um, I mean, I love Tex-Mex. I love just like Chewy's. Yeah. Um, but I also, uh, Rose Pepper in East Nashville. I still haven't That's been there my- yet. Yeah, I've heard of it's Rose. So- I've heard of Rose Pepper. I haven't been yet, but I heard that that's a spot that a lot of people tell me I got to go. Yeah, it is. It's 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 the same way. It's like it's changed. Like it used to not be like now you go on a Friday night. Well, not now, obviously, but after quarantine or before, if you go on a Friday night, you're going to have to wait. Like there's always a wait. But when I first moved to town, it was um, much more chill. But I mean, the food, the chips and their dip and their margaritas are the best. They're the best margaritas. 
Yeah, I know one of my favorite places over in the East is Mas Tacos. I like yeah, that a lot. Yeah, I haven't, haven't been to that one. Uh, it's really good. Um, it's very much traditional. Um, yeah. Traditional tacos and all that kind of stuff. Um, another food place that I wanted to talk to you about, my favorite food place in Athens is oh. Doggone Good Barbecue. See, I wonder how long that's even been there. That's because that's the annoying thing about when I go back to Athens, it does change. Like yeah. the restaurants and stuff change so much. Yeah. Uh, it's like, uh, I'm trying to remember. It was me and Justin, our bass player, walked there and had barbecue. It was probably some of the best barbecue I've ever had. It was amazing. Yeah. But it's like three or four blocks away from Georgia Theater. Okay. Yeah. Well, I never had it in college, not to say that it wasn't there, but I just know that like a lot of the, I mean, the main bars obviously that are still there, but like even the bars change a lot and the restaurants, like my favorite, one of my favorite places downtown Athens was Transmit. Um, but I don't even know if it's there anymore. (laughs) Like I feel like every time I go, I'm like, that's not right. That was so-and-so that used to be so-and-so. I don't know. (laughs) I feel like that happens a lot in college town. So I know a lot of friends that graduated from, uh, Alabama and they like go back to Tuscaloosa now and I'm like oh yeah I eat this place and they're like what's that and I'll tell them yeah. I'm like oh it used to be and they yeah. you know even with the place that we played the Druid City Music Hall it used to be another music venue before uh, oh yeah. yeah before so it's even changed yeah the best barbecue in Nashville though what do you think that is ooh, ooh. um I want to say my I want to say two favorite places. Oh, he's taking okay. the cop out. That don't count. <laughs> well, one place I don't go to a lot because it's hard to go to, but I think that overall it has the best barbecue across the board, and that is Peg Leg Porkers. Yes, I've had that. And then my second favorite, and it's the one that's easier to get to because they have more locations and all, is Martin's. Martin's is my favorite. Yeah, yeah. I would I would go Martin's and Peg Leg I as well. I despise Edley's. I don't despise it, but it's not it's not as good to me as Martin's. No. But I will say, why do you despise it? Are I don't know. It's just, for me, a lot of it. So I'm a pulled pork guy, but, like, I also like brisket a lot, too. Mm-hmm. And it's Martin's never, has the best brisket. They yeah. do. But Ed Lee's, A, their brisket 95% of the time is dry as the desert. But yeah. also <laughs> their food as a whole, like, everything that I've had from there – I'll have like their chicken one time and I'll go back the next time and it's just not good. And I'll go back the next time and it's great. They're just not consistently good. Consistent. And yeah. oh, and Martin's never disappoints. No. At any of their oh. locations, it's always good. Oh, Martin's is, I think is good. The favorite thing though for me at Peg Legs is they have a burnt ends platter. Oh. And I'll have to try that. Yeah, that is probably because it's like the burnt end is like right next to the skin and all. And so you have like the burnt, a little bit of the burnt taste. Boudreaux on barbecue. You get him going yeah. and don't stop. Oh, yeah. Lord, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. But then you have like. The I feel the same. So I'm like, yeah. let's just talk about barbecue the yeah. whole time. But then you have the fat, a little bit of the fat layer. <laughs> and then you have the actual pork. And so it's like the most, it's the juiciest and most flavorful like part of the pig. But, okay, well, I'm gonna have to try it when all this is yeah, over, and yeah. I can go to a restaurant. Yeah, when this is over, we got we got to all go to Peg Leg together and Let's try that it. try that burn end platter. See, I always send people because working. I was a door guy at um at Whiskey Row for a while on Broadway, and people would always ask, "Where's the barbecue?" And they'd everybody go. A lot of people go to Jack's on Broadway because it's right there. No. But I'm like, hey, we're like because was Whiskey Row's on on the corner of Fourth. So what I would do. 
And depending on how, how intoxicated the person is, I'd, I'd have to really yeah. point. But it's I'm, like, if anything is going to be good for you at this point, just walk right up to Jax. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or, or go, I mean, what I would do is, I because you can see the, the, the sign for Martins. You have to pull out a telescope sometimes, it's but you can see it. all the way down fourth, down down that, yeah. all the way down that street. I would I would, I would literally, I'd take them, I'd turn them around, I'd see, you see that blue sign all the way down? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, go down there, that's the best barbecue in go town. Go find the, the spinning pig. That's where you need <laughs> And that one hasn't been there but for a few years. The right. one that I – so I, a few years ago, I lived over in the Belmont area by yeah. that – like literally that church that's across from that Martin's, the yeah. Church of Christ or – I don't know. I think it Anyway, is. I – no, it's a Catholic. Anyway, clearly I didn't go. But <laughs> I lived um, on the street behind it, and I'm not kidding you. When I would walk out of my door, like to go to a right, I would smell – Martin's like from them cooking that pig. And so I don't know how I didn't gain a hundred pounds living over there. Cause I wanted Martin's every day. It's just so yeah. good. The, and then there's the new one. I like the new location a lot too. Uh, do you remember like down Elliston next to the Parthenon? There's uh yeah. there was that Logan's roadhouse over there. Well, obviously yeah. Logan's like went out of business and everything, but uh, they put up a, a uh, Martin's there and it has ton, oh, okay. tons of parking, like I've went there probably I don't know ten times now since they opened it. There's never a line. It's never packed. That's nice. Yeah, a hidden, yeah. A hidden gem. A hidden gem. That's also, the, the sneaky Martins. <laughs> also, my favorite barbecue sandwich. And this place is one like, <laughs> sorry, I I have Mexican and barbecue spots all over Nashville. Like, um, my favorite barbecue sandwich though, and like lunch place is over by the Parthenon. It's a place called uh, Hog Heaven. I think mm-hmm. it is or Hog Wild. It's one of those, but they have the sauce, and it's one like best sauce in Nashville for almost a decade now. But it's, damn, better than the Alabama white sauce in Martin's. See, I'm like, yeah, that, Martin's is like my jam. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. There's a their sandwich. It's like a sandwich, a side, <laughs> and a drink, and it comes out to like seven or eight dollars. So like Balling on a budget, which is what I'm yeah, all about. It's, yeah. Always. It's literally a little white shack. And the first time like I walked up to it, I was like, yeah, give me a barbecue sandwich, like a barbecue sandwich plain, nothing on it. And they're like, all right, barbecue sandwich, no bun, no. And I was like, no, 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 bun. And they're like, you said nothing on it. And I was like, all right, smart ass. But I still want a sandwich. Yeah. Man. Like, hey, it's not a sandwich without the bread. Of, of all the places you've been on the road, place with the best food. Oof. I'm not a good person to ask, and this is why. Um, the blocks, Rocky and Grady make fun of me because they're like, Farron, like, I'm so, I will eat at a Chili's. Like, I don't care. Like, and they're like, we're in New York City. And they're like, Farron, we're not eating at Red Lobster. Like, it's, <laughs> we're in New York City. Like, we're getting pizza. So I'm not the best person to ask. Um, I love playing in Florida because, you know, like fresh seafood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and on, honestly, a lot of the shows we did were festival shows, so we ate there, you know. Yeah. So, like, festival what's food your, is not the same. What's your go-to festival order if you if you're like looking for the I, ultimate I, festival I th- food? I'm, I'm going to take a guess that you're a corn dog girl. I love a good corn dog. I do love a good corn dog, but I mean, usually, like most of those festivals have like they either give you like tickets to go eat whatever, yeah. or you know you have catering. So I try to do catering usually, but because there's like healthier options. But I do love a fried Oreo. Yep. I don't Ooh. think we've ever played a festival that I haven't got a fried Oreo at. I'm, I'm the same. I always go get a fried Oreo or a funnel cake. My favorite. Funnel cakes are awesome. My favorite festival food to go find is whenever I find a place that has fried alligator on a stick. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> we've played some interesting festivals. 
Also, yeah, I'm, from, I'm also me, from deep same. South Alabama, so yeah, that's like a staple. Yeah, yeah. Where was yeah. like where was like a place that you went talking about interesting festivals and interesting places? For me, it was Boaz, Alabama. That was for me a place that was very interesting. I had just started with the guys. I had never also been also the mud park. Yeah, and the mud park. We played a mud festival, um, a mud park in Leakesville, Mississippi recently. It was actually one of our last, our last runs. show. It was our last show before all this quarantine stuff happened. And I got a lot of culture. It was an interesting place for me being a Yankee being down in Mississippi and they took me out there were these guys from Louisiana that took me out in a in a four by four and a side by side and they had me going through these big mud holes and I was covered in mud. It was wild. Where was yeah. a place for you that was like an interesting spot? I mean, um me and Ray have played this uh show in Connecticut for the last like three years. Um, and it's so funny because every time I go up North, I'm like surprised by how many rednecks there's there. There are a lot. I, and I, and being a, being a guy that was involved in the New York and the Jersey country scene, they're extra loud and proud because there's not as many of them. Like they, like we feel like we got to have like a chip on our shoulder almost when, when a lot of Southerners like yourself come up and play, like we got to well, really yeah, show it's out. Really weird. Because the Luke tour, when I did that with him, we did the Northeast. Basically, that was our whole, the my part of the tour. And that was some of the first time I ever played, like, Boston or, you know. Um, and it was always surprising because I, I remember being like, these people, I, that shows how, like, uncultured I am because I'm from Georgia. But I was like, you know, I think, like, up north, I'm like, these people even like country music, you know. Yeah. But it was like, it was like those shows were crazier than any that we played in Georgia or Alabama or whatever. And I think it's because... I don't know. It's like maybe there's not as much of it up, up there. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we it's a it's a treat whenever we get, especially when it's somebody that's more more on the country countryside, you know? Like like yeah. for us, like people will come out to see like somebody like yourself, somebody like the Cadillac three, somebody that's really right. got like that that country almost that that redneck like Southern vibe yeah. because we don't, we don't get it and it it gets over it gets overlooked. Where in New York, have you played in New York before? Yeah, we played um, Verona, New York. We played with Brantley Gilbert. That's the casino, um, right? Yeah, and that was it. Was really nice. Uh, what was it? Um, what was the name of that casino? Turn, I'm the worst. Is it turn? Is it tur Turning Point Casino or Turning Something? Turning Stone or Turning something? Stone? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I, I can't remember. Um, we've done a lot of casino shows. We did a lot of casino shows with Dwight Oakham too. I love casino gigs. That's probably like I lo I love them. Are you are you someone that'll get out on the floor and play play some of the tables, play some of the slots? I'm really I'm really not much of a gambler because you have to have money to gamble. But I, <laughs> I feel that. But I would, but I would hang out with my friends that do, or like with some of the guys in the band that like to gamble, and I would just drink the free drinks. But um, <laughs> I love that you can smoke inside a casino. Yes. Like it feels like like an old honky tonk, you know. And then the crowds are always. I don't know. Those shows were just, they always treat you really nice. And it's nice, like, you know, how we travel in the van and stuff. It's nice that usually you get to stay there and don't have to, like. Yeah, you've played, Mohe you know. you've, you've played Mohegan Sun, right? Connecticut. Yes. The Wolf's Den, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. That place was crazy. Yeah, we were there. We played a we played the New England Food Truck Festival, and we didn't know what what exactly it was going to be all about. We ended up being in a parking lot outside, and while that was going on, the, um, Eli Young was at the Wolf's Den that same night, and then Sean Mendez was inside the arena. So they had like three or four big, like three or four things going on at once, and that's just the the um, the crowd that was out there. It was 
it was interesting walking around that casino because there were people that were there, like people we call the mass holes, Massachusetts folks. So they go by uh-huh. like mass holes. That's the flag that they carry. Um, we always, that's how there were like a lot of those folks that were in town for the food truck festival, but then all the pop people in for the Shawn Mendes and all like the mm-hmm. teenagers. And I then the, it was crazy. Yeah. 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 It was pretty wild. So Boudreaux's got sewn up here. So you have a Twitter account, right? You're on Twitter. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm probably the least active on Twitter. Oh, God, what is it? Oh, no, this is our favorite segment. So, so Tyler's got um, a few Twitter trolls that he has, a few accounts. He's got his own account. We've got a podcast account. Tyler's got an account where he goes on and just likes to roast things and roast people. He's not going to do that to you, but he yeah, likes I to pull Yeah, I don't go after you. He's but, you're welcome. <laughs> no. But um, he likes to read off tweets from our guests and stuff. So he's got your Twitter oh, pulled oh God, up right okay. now. So we're going to read off some tweets of Miss Fair okay. and Rachel's. If making a grilled cheese every single night during quarantine is wrong, I'll never be right. <laughs> this is a true story. True story. Yeah, there was a true. That was the truth up here for a little bit too. Yeah, we were eating. We were eating lots of grilled cheese sandwiches up here when we first got up here for sure. Well, I don't have my mama cooking me pasta, so. Yeah, yeah, I know, but like, I, that's. I mean, she she may or may not have been making the grilled cheeses as well. So. Okay. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's dig he's digging on. Oh, what's that one? Oh, that's a retweet. Yeah, yeah. There's a oh, funny Lord. meme on there. Okay, yeah. here's a good one. Tiger King <laughs> is the craziest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> and I'm sure you've seen you, some. You and Matt cool- can talk about that as I go digging a little. And bit I'm farther. sure. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it on on the live stream. We did the social distancing sessions a couple weeks back. Which thank you for doing the doing that again. We really appreciate it. Tiger King was pretty wild. I want more of it. Like, I want more. I want to see. I know. When they released, I think it was the day that we um, did the live stream, they had just put out the, like, one more episode or whatever. But it wasn't that, like, it was not the same. I didn't even watch it. I tried to start it, but it was like, there's no new information. There's not, like, it was just, you know. But um, I watched Tiger King, like, literally the day it came on Netflix. And I think it took, like, a couple weeks, obviously, for people to start talking about it and all. And so I was like tweeting about it. I think I made like stories on Instagram. I told all my friends about it and everybody was like, what the hell are you talking about? And I was like, I know it sounds insane. I was like, but this is real life. These are real people. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Tiger King has like, that was definitely the highlight of the beginning of my quarantine. See, I've pl- watched it yeah, twice. See, you've watched it twice. See, I've thought about restarting it because I've been looking well, for shit to watch. I watched it, the first time I watched it, to be completely honest, I was um, pretty high. I'm so insane. I felt like, yeah, so I was like, this can't, like, when I was thinking about it the next day, I was like, was I, like, making half that shit up? Or, like, you know, so then I watched it completely sober after. <laughs> yeah, and, like, a part of me wants to check one of those, like, wants to go to a park like that just to see what it's actually like. Like, and there's one of them in Myrtle Beach. Like, I want, like, like that Doc Annell guy, um... Yeah. It's in Myrtle. He he posts all of his shit on Instagram. Like I started following him and just randomly there'll be a picture of like him in a pool, like holding a liger like a like a baby, like like just holding so like weird. a jungle cat. Yeah, they're crazy. I don't really know how I feel about it. It's like, yeah, it would be cool to go see that or whatever, but then I I don't know, believe it or not, I'm like the I don't know, the I'm, I worry about the animals. Yeah, no, <laughs> like, no, 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 no. And, I, and I and I totally get that. And me and me and Boudreaux here were actually like pricing out what it, what it costs to go to one of these parks. It is expensive too. Oh, like, yeah, to go to that's see how the, they're all so rich. Yes, yeah. insane. To go see the one in Myrtle Beach, I think is like five hundred dollars a person. 
And that I doesn't include pictures or anything. After, I bet you it went up after this documentary, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm sure. I mean, just like they're, they're cashing in on it. And then poor Joe Exotic's in, in jail. And freaking Carol Baskin's still hanging out after killing her husband. I know. I know. But I will say, like, we talked about this when I watched the live stream. I just don't know. Like, every time I watch a Netflix documentary, which I love them, but it's always interesting to afterwards to like actually do some research and stuff and see how they presented it versus like sometimes the facts are not, you know what I mean? It's just, it's entertainment. So it's like any other show, even though it's a documentary or whatever, it's like they've decided on a a storyline, you know, can you see me? Sorry. Somebody tried to call me. Um, (laughs) Anyway. So I'm like, who knows if she did? I mean, they definitely made it seem like that, but like, remember making a murderer. Yeah. Um, that documentary, I remember being like, how in the world is this man in jail? Like he should not have been convicted. And like, apparently a ton of other people thought that too. And then when you really did some research, it was like, Oh, they like, not everything was included in the documentary. You know what I mean? Yeah. They can be selective with how they're making it and what they share with you and stuff. Yeah. What's that tattoo on your arm? I've never noticed that before. Oh, this one is a Trisha Yearwood lyric. And it says, had this dream from a tender age. It's from, Wrong Side of Memphis by Trish Yearwood. Oh, that's awesome. That's badass. Yeah. yeah. I want to, I want, I got to get a tattoo soon. Everybody's always surprised that I don't have a tattoo. Yeah. You do. You seem like a tattoo guy. Yeah. And, all, and my roommates have them too. My roommate Ethan's got like his whole freaking arm done and shit. So I got to, yeah. I got to get on that. Oh, you got yeah. another tweet? Yeah. Yeah. I got a couple more. All right. Ready? Oh, gosh. Yeah. So this is from. April 28th, 2019. So about so, so about this time last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I'm really bad at Twitter. It probably didn't take that long to scroll back because I forget that Twitter is there, so I don't tweet a lot. It, it actually took a while. You retweet a lot, too. That's Yeah. The, uh, at the beach, watching a dad and son packing up their stuff to leave. While carrying a cooler, surfboard, umbrella, etc., the dad yells at his son, Can you maybe grab something? I'm not an octopus, so I'm running out of hands. <laughs> If I'm ever a parent, this is the kind I aspire to be. <laughs> I think that's when we were on the road. I think the blocks were with me. I think we played maybe in Pensacola or something. Oh, um, the hometown. Yeah, and this single or like he looked like seemed like a single dad trying to carry all this shit. That was so funny. We were. I think we spent a lot of time laughing at him dropping all this shit and all. <laughs> that's funny. And then one last one. This is for more recent. Unfortunately, the following is a real life question. I just texted to a friend. You shouldn't put aluminum foil in the microwave, right? <laughs> and what's the hashtag say? Hashtag why am I like this? <laughs> yeah. Um, my friends make fun of me. I don't cook at all. And like the microwave, you would think I would know what can go in and out of the microwave because that's all I've used. But I think, I think that was really high again. And I think I had a Pop-Tart. So, and I think I was considering putting the pop tart in the wrapper in the. Microwave. I've I've been there. I I know exactly where you're coming from with late late yeah. late night, little hazy in the head. Throw want to yeah, throw I was the pop like, tart. Do I really in. need to take the wrapper off? <laughs> so Matt, I have personally watched him burn about everything you can burn in a little like, <laughs> toaster oven. But it's funny. There's a page I follow on Instagram. It's called Boys Who Can Cook, and it's like. 
the most like atrocious cooking things ever. Oh god! And I always send it to, like we have like a muscadine uh, Instagram like group chat thing, and I always yeah. send it to them. And I was like, at Matt, if he had to cook during this quarantine, <laughs> oh, yeah, I was I'd be, say they would I'd, probably admit me into that. I'd be, I'd be, like, I'd be so, I'd be so screwed. It would be, it'd be bad once, once I gotta, once I gotta go back down to Tennessee and start cooking again. Fortunately, my roommates can cook, so yeah, well, my well, roommates can cook, and my best friends are like. A lot of my friends are really good cooks, so I'm lucky because I get, like, home-cooked meals from them. But my mom was a great cook, and she was so great that it was almost intimidating because I never, like, wanted to be in the kitchen with her and be like, how do you do that? Um, and also, she was like, I don't think she wanted me to try because she knew I would screw up her her vibe or whatever. But yeah. also, I'm just, like, really bad about not doing things that I'm not naturally really good at. And I know cooking is something you just have to learn. So I just have stayed away from it, basically. See, <laughs> in college, when I first moved to Nashville, I moved up here in 2013. And the first summer, I think I went back home. But after that, like, I stayed in Nashville. And I lived by myself in an apartment on campus. And, like, our cafeteria was closed. Like, just, it was one of those things that, like, I worked weird hours, so like I had to learn to cook for myself because there was nothing open whenever I was hungry. And, uh, you know, you can only eat so many McDonald's hamburgers. and You can never eat enough McDonald's dollar cheeseburgers at 3 in the morning from the the McDonald's on Broadway. At the time, I was working like (laughs) 12-hour shifts, like walking like 15 to 20 miles a day. So, like, there was a point that, like, McDonald's wasn't enough anymore. So I started, like really cooking for myself. And if it wasn't for that summer and for like living by myself that summer, I wouldn't know how to cook, but it came to a point of, I got tired of spending money on food and cooking seemed like the best option to alleviate some of that. Well, I cook, I cook as my cook version of cooking is like putting a lot of like chicken in the crock pot and cooking enough for like all week. So like I'm meal prep like that, but I'm just saying like, Compared to my friends who actually cook, I cannot cook. Like, I can bake things, obviously. Like, I can do a casserole or whatever. But anything, like, fancy, count me out. One of my favorite fancy dishes is I do a really good seafood risotto with some... See, yeah, I would never be able with, to do anything like that. With a swordfish steak. What? Be- yeah, swordfish. You can buy it. It's like $12 a pound at Kroger. But if you go to a restaurant, it's like 25 to $45. So you yeah. save money by cooking it yourself. Yeah. And it's really good cut of meat. Huh. Good yeah. to know. Yeah. Old, old, old Chef Boudreau over here. So you got a new song out. Um, you got Smoke, and uh, mm-hmm. we're, su- we're super stoked about it. What's the story behind this new one, and um, is there more new music that's going to be coming out? Because we're ready for more Farron Rachels. I think everybody Thank speak- you. I think I speak for everybody in that. The world can't get enough, <laughs> enough new music Thank from you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. This one we actually recorded, I mean, probably summer, late summer of last year. Um, and I, it's one of the first ones that I've put out that I didn't write myself, but, um, my best friend, Nicolette Hayford and Haley Witters and Jake Mitchell wrote it. And like the day, I think Nicolette sent it to me like the day they wrote it. Cause she probably knew, you know, she knows me so well. She was like, dog, you're going to love this song. And I did, I was obsessed with it. Like I used to make the blocks and like all, everybody that was out with me on the road, we listened to the demo that they did like all the time on the road. And anyway, um, it was on hold by like a couple big artists that I was like waiting to hear if I could cut it. And when they finally took it off hold, I was like, can I please do it now? So we went in and recorded it and, um, Rocky produced it. Well, played a little bit on everything on it and produced it with Jeff Garrison. 
and uh, like Weston played guitar and uh, Grady played drums. And it was just really cool because in the past when I've recorded music, um, we've used session players, you know, for like for people that don't live in Nashville, like basically a lot of the music that you hear on radio is the same players, you know, that play on the record and then their band plays the shows live. But it was really cool to have the dudes that have been in my band play on it. So it was fun and we laughed a lot. It was just the most fun I've ever had recording a song. And um, I don't know, this song just means a lot to me because uh, it's basically, you know, he don't even know that I smoke. Like, how can I tell him everything about me when he doesn't even know that I smoke? And um, I just, the first time I heard it, I was like, oh shit, this is so me. I feel like in relationships in the past and even now it's hard for me to like be honest with people about who I really am. Cause the truth is it's a shit show and it's like, I'm trying to do better, but I've at this point in my life just kind of accepted this is who I am. And so like in past relationships, I've always felt like I had to like, I don't know, like hide who, how crazy I really am. So, um, I don't know. It's about, you know, um, just hiding your demons, I guess. And I think we've all, all been there. Oh, so. a- absolutely! I've been there for sure. Yeah, um, for sure. And uh, and we're we're really digging it. We're so so happy Thank that you, you put this one out. So, what's the deal for the rest of 2020? Once we get out of quarantine, shows potentially, new music. What do we got? Well, that's the thing. Like now, is so hard to answer that because I don't know. I mean, we had you know shows. We had a couple with y'all booked, and I had a festival this summer like just random stuff but everything's getting rescheduled right now and the more people I talk to like a friend of mine driver Williams plays for Eric Church and he was saying like which I know obviously those size venues are different than what I'm playing but they don't think they're going to be out until next year you know so it's like I don't know how it's going to work like with the size venues we're playing maybe we can be back at it by the fall I don't I don't really know but yeah as soon as they start booking them again i'll be playing more i just don't have anything like up on my schedule or anything right now because everything's getting moved around but um i'm definitely i mean i have to be completely honest i have i could make a record right now like with songs that i love and want to but it costs a lot of money and i'm an independent artist and so i'm trying to uh, figure all that out so yeah but there's definitely gonna be some more some more music in a couple months. So. Hell yeah. We can't, we can't yeah. wait for that. We're super stoked. Thank and, uh, Farron, thanks. Thanks for hanging out with us. Taking time, yeah. out of your, taking time out of your busy quarantine schedule. I to mean, I hop was on so and chat with us. <laughs> yeah. No, thank y'all for asking me. Y'all are awesome. I love that y'all do this. And it's cool to just like have a hang and just chat. Yeah, it's good to just see people, even if it's over, even if it's over a computer screen or over a phone screen, just to see other people and shoot the shit for a little bit and hang out. You know, we, we, I miss, I miss hanging out and having, having a, I miss having a smoke and hanging out with yet losers, you know, like, I like, like that, that post whiskey jam or of like just hanging out, you know, I know. know. we'll be back to it one day. Hopefully people are bored enough right now that they'll listen to us talk about barbecue and putting (laughs) aluminum foil in the microwave. (laughs) <laughs> yeah hopefully everybody goes out there gets themselves uh gets themselves some mm-hmm. martin's barbecue and uh gets yep. and yeah doesn't put the uh, aluminum foil in that microwave um i gotta remember yep. that because that that has popped into my head before about putting the whole pop tart yeah. in the in the microwave yeah well i'm like it's not that big it's not it can't do that much damage yeah. real, I think it can. I real, think it- real quick favorite favorite flavor of pop tart favorite kind of pop tart the cinnamon Brown sugar, cinnamon, whatever it is. I think that's a consensus on everybody except for me. I'm What's a, yours? 
I grew up on the chocolate fudge, the frosted chocolate fudge. Okay, those fudge, are awesome. And you put it in the microwave for like 10 to 12 seconds and get it kind of gooey with some chocolate milk. Perfect. Yep. That that one and the s'mores. Those are like a close also, second and third. The just the regular chocolate chip unfrosted. It's the only unfrosted <laughs> that's acceptable. He eats yeah. the unfrosted pop tart. Yeah, crazy. Just just the chocolate chip. That's crazy. the only acceptable one. The people that say that unfrosted strawberry is a good pop tart, they gotta screw loose somewhere, you know? I'm not a big strawberry fan, period. Frosted or unfrosted, but yeah, so pop, we'll be we'll be hanging out at Red Door and losers before we know it. We'll be eating some pop tarts together before <laughs> I'll we bring know some it. Pop tarts. Yeah, no, we'll, oh, we'll we'll bring the pop tarts. We'll bring all the all the good stuff and uh, definitely be hanging out. Get those uh, get that burn in platter over at Pegleg Porker soon too. Sounds good. I will. I'll let y'all know. I'll text y'all and let y'all know if how I think it ranks up to Martin's. All right. Okay. We're, they're we're, they're <laughs> kind of the same thing where they smoke their stuff every day. So. You know, okay. and, and they're definitely like the same as Martin's is like whenever they run out of something, they're just they're done with that, you know. Yeah. So it's yeah. the same thing. So Farron, real quick, tell us uh where can people go and find you on social media? Um, well, I'm the most active on Instagram and Facebook. Obviously, like I said, I mean I'm I have Twitter, but I don't I forget about it a lot. So yeah. Instagram and Facebook, Snapchat. I'm trying to I'm trying to make myself get into TikTok, but it hasn't happened yet. I like watching it, but I haven't posted anything yet, but I am on there. So. Yeah. Uh, do you follow uh, Zoltan's food page on TikTok yet? I don't think I do. I'll oh. go do that as soon as we get off of this. There you go. Yeah, Zoltan's got a good food one that he's been doing lately. I love Zoltan. Probably, yeah. probably, I'll go give it a follow. Yeah, probably food picks. Probably, yeah. probably food ticks is his TikTok. Uh, oh, yeah, clever. TikTok. He, oh, he did the playoff awesome. of TikTok. Old chef, old chef boy. Well, Farron, thank you so much for hanging out. Boudreaux, where can people find us? Uh, we're on Twitter at In The Round Pod, Instagram, Facebook, In The Round Podcast. And uh, yeah, we're still working on the um, website. Our uh, resident redneck, Mr. As I call him, Jacob Bubba. Yeah. Um, that's how he saved him my that's phone. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know his last name, so I just saved his Bubba because it seemed like it could work. But, that's um, awesome. But uh, he's somewhere in the woods of Tennessee. We're still trying to get a hold of him. I think his satellite phone died or something. We don't know. Oh We're trying God. to get a hold of him. But, <laughs> but yeah, we'll yeah. have a website coming we- soon. Website coming soon. You can follow Tyler at Just a Wandering Tyler. Follow me at Matt Brill. If you guys enjoyed the episode, make sure to throw a review, um, a comment in there. Um, subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. And make sure you check out this brand new one that we're going to play right now. It's the latest from our good friend, Miss Farron Rachels. Y'all check out Smoke right here on In the Round Podcast. We'll see you all next time. Thank you, fellas.